Welcome to Syracuse University Talks Business, a collaborative podcast about the innovations, challenges, and opportunities in the modern business world and their impact on other industries. This podcast is produced by the Whitman School of Management at Syracuse University. I'm Jenna Lique, and today's conversation is all about Brexit, the deal finalizing the removal of the United Kingdom from the European Union in 2020 right before the pandemic. Three experts on the European economy came together virtually to give insight on just how significant Brexit was and still is for a webinar titled Brexit, its impact and implications post-pandemic, held on April 23rd and hosted by Whitman professor Tom Barkley. Those specialists were Glenn Morgan, an associate professor of political science at the Maxwell School and co-director of the Center for European Studies at Maxwell. Mike Harris, founder and CEO of Cribson Strategic Macro, and a professor teaching a course titled EU Economic Policy Failure from Austria to Brexit, and Fatma Sanmez Leopold, an assistant teaching professor of finance at Whitman. The audio used in this episode is from this webinar. Before we delve in any further, let's get a history lesson and some much needed context from Maxwell Associate Professor of Political Science, Glenn Morgan. I think the story begins in 1950 when the European, the West European powers decide that they want to build a, a, a a common market. Britain elected to stay out, primarily because Britain saw its future as belonging to the Commonwealth and also in close relations with the United States. And then they slowly realized that the European Union was working quite well, and they were worried about being outside of an incredibly large market, and they were worried that the Europeans might start to discriminate against them and also that the United States was not particularly eager to have Britain remain outside of the EU. There was always a body of opinion in Britain that, this, that the EU was uh, hostile to uh, the British nation state and nationalism. And that movement uh, grew and grew in power in a sense. And to everyone's surprise, I think amongst the commentariat and academics, Britain in 2016 decided to leave the European Union. The stage is set, but it's still challenging to see the practical implications of a move of this magnitude. IPOs or initial public offerings have seen a change in approach that can be traced back to the effects of Brexit. Professor at Syracuse University in London, Mike Harris, breaks down this process and highlights the change in perspective. We have had some IPOs where we definitively avoided London recently, not because of a decision on where London will be in the future and not because of a decision on is London um, uh, the right place because of where the analysts are and where the money is. It was simply the uncertainty, the regulatory uncertainty, because this was a, a, a very poorly negotiated process where we had a lot of blind spots. It wasn't smooth. It was somewhat hostile, ultimately, in terms of uh, uh, you know, the, the give and take associated with the negotiations, which is why as Glenn had mentioned, the UK effectively you know, sold out Northern Ireland. There was a you know, meaningful compromise that had to happen that probably wasn't envisioned to begin with. Um, so the, the simple argument is when we look at st the statistics of how many, I, you know, how, how Amsterdam, for instance, had, had had a strong run of IPOs in January and had more IPOs than, than the UK did during that period. I think that's just a reflection of that uncertainty because no one would list really during that immediate period when there was an L. If you planned on listing before there was that certainty, you, you weren't going to engage in a process that, that could um, fall apart. Every deal inevitably has its pluses and minuses. The seemingly unstable state of the UK's financial market is definitely a downside in the immediate future. 
On the other hand, the COVID-19 pandemic brought upon a surprising highlight for the public opinion of Brexit. Morgan lays out how the deal has been a point of contention in British leadership in the past, but a successful vaccine rollout has relieved some tension. The British discovered it was extremely difficult to get out, out of the European Union. They thought it was going to be a very easy negotiation. It wasn't an easy negotiation, and uh, it cost uh, the first British Prime Minister, it actually cost David Cameron his job, it then cost Theresa May his job, her job, and Boris Johnson finally negotiated a, a, a breakout and signed a deal at the end of last year. Um, there have been considerable worries from the business community about how they will survive outside of the European Union. Many um, British uh, exporters are worried about uh, how they will uh, sell their goods now that they remain outside of the, of the single market. Um, to a certain extent, these fears of how Britain will survive have diminished in the wake of, the, of, the, of COVID-19 and Britain's success in rolling out vaccinations. Britain's one success, I think, over the last few years has been a tremendously effective vaccination policy. Uh, Britain, prior to the rollout of the vaccinations in December, had done very, very badly under COVID. Britain uh, had a higher death rate than almost any advanced industrial country. It had a greater economic decline than almost any in advanced industrial country, but it was, had been saved to a certain extent by vaccination. The opinion polls suggest that Boris Johnson and the Tory government are now quite popular, um, but the worry is that the EU will return as a big issue and people will find that the economy and travel are much more problematic than the Tories like to suggest. The effects on the European Union, specifically the United Kingdom, have been laid out. Now let's see how this impacts the United States. On the USN, different administrations have had varying approaches and philosophies about how to deal with the UK. Assistant Teaching Professor of Finance, Fatma San Mesliopold, explains how the recent change in the Guard has put pressure on the United Kingdom. If we go back to Obama administration, when he was asked about the, the, the trade between UK versus Europe, and his response was very clear. He says, of course, Europe is the first, England is the second, he says, because we have to deal with the bloc first, then England second. That was a clear question and clear answer from his side. Yes, we deviated from that through Trump administration, but we are back to Biden administration right now. And what Mike said is being relevant is important for UK now. They have to be really keep relevant for the UK, for the United States so that we could actually give the, not maybe the, um, the first role like the, the European Union, but at least to be relevant, to be still in the game and to really just make sure that the, the US actually cares about to have some trade agreement uh, in the long run. And Harris agrees, but puts more emphasis on the adverse effects on the U.S. as one of the bigger losers of the deal. And I think the U.S. loses out because obviously the EU being able to work so well with the U.K. within the European Union and get the European Union to be on the U.S.'s side when it comes to geopolitical concerns, dealing with Russia, whatever it ends up being, the U.K. is sort of marginalized again from that perspective. So, I, you know, I think you know it's this is almost the U, the UK has effectively walked to you know it used to be a, a major global power. It was diminished when it joined Europe. Arguably, it sort of stabilized a bit, 
and I think now it continues probably to, to be less relevant. The current state of the UK seems to be in flux. London specifically is trying to keep its status as a major financial city in Europe. But as one power fades to the background, another emerges in the spotlight. Simon as Leopold predicts there's going to be a number of options. Post-breakfast, now within the maybe last three months, uh, or before even, um, uh, the, 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 not only the staff, the, the divisions, all the kinds of different um, um, uh, you know, jobs are actually now moving from England to different parts in a multipolar version, not necessarily one center jumping out as a significant a competitive center. Uh, there are more than one, uh, which shows that I, I think it's actually working in favor of European countries more, cent- more so than, than, than UK at the moment. It looks like we're going to have to wait and see to get a definitive answer on the next leader in Europe. What we do know is that the impact of Brexit is still in its early stages and changes from situation to situation. Thank you to our guests for your time and expertise. This has been Syracuse University Talks Business. I'm Jenna Lique, and see you next time.